Good morning, Servants Church. It's great to be with you on this lovely Remembrance Day Sunday in honor of those that uh, were injured or who died uh, in the Great Wars, uh, really for our benefit. And it's a good time for us to remember to our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Uh, and just to, to be still and remember that um, uh, all our pain is, is not for naught and that God's going to use it. So we get to start a new book today. We're starting the Gospel of Luke. It's always probably more exciting for me than it is for you, but I am excited to start the Gospel of Luke. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, we're going to look at just the first four verses by way of introduction uh, this morning. But I, I don't want you to see these four verses as only an introduction. They lay actually... A, a pace for us. They lay a direction for us for the entire book. They help us to know what it is that God wants to say to us through this book. So Luke chapter 1, uh, we're going to read the first four verses and then I'll pray and we'll get into it together. Luke writes, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. And Father, we pray that you would indeed show us that we can have certainty about what your word has taught us, about who Jesus is and what he's done. We pray, Lord, you'd help us, especially in these uncertain times, to, to build our house on the rock, on who Jesus is and what he's done, that we would weather this storm and that would bring glory to your name and be good for us all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. So I want you to try to, to use your imaginations for a second. I want you to imagine a time when people have more fear than faith about those who govern them. I want you to imagine a time when your financial security is still not enough to actually make you feel secure. Imagine a time where there's personal and cultural and racial tensions that make you wonder, should I actually be part of this church? Should I, is this really my God or is this their God? I want you to imagine that time, one, because it's not hard to imagine at all, but also because this is what the time was like for this guy, Theophilus, this person that Luke is writing to. It was a time when the church was wrestling with, with these cultural tensions. As, as there are more Gentiles than Jews uh, in the Christian church, there were many Jews who were wondering, was Jesus indeed the Messiah if most Jews don't believe in him? But also the Gentiles were thinking, have we made the right decision in worshiping this Messiah of the Jews. There were these tensions that were causing issues. There was, of course, they were under a time of Caesar Nero, who would end up persecuting greatly those who followed, followed Jesus. They were in a time where they were wondering, you know, is there anything that's secure? How come the Lord hasn't come back yet? This was the time that they're writing. And, and Luke is writing this gospel, not as something brand new, not as if there wasn't any gospels at the time he wrote, because we'll see there was some others. But he wrote this gospel to encourage Theophilus and those like him that they can be certain of who Jesus is. 
And so what we want to talk about today is really just how Luke kind of uh, lines this up. Well, what three reasons does he give us that we can be certain about Jesus and the work that he's done and continues to do through his Holy Spirit? So let's pick it up at verse 1 again. Uh, he, he acknowledges that there's many people that have, have compiled narratives about the person and work of Jesus, and we'll talk about that in a second. But he, he makes this phrase, he uses this phrase, that these things were about that which was accomplished among us, which seems kind of generic, but actually in the original language, it's a bit stronger. It means what's been perfectly fulfilled. And the idea here is not just that stuff happened, but that there was a plan that was fulfilled, specifically God's plan. And we're going to see that Luke actually wants to validate that Jesus is the, the, the fulfillment of all Old Testament promises. He's going to bring this forth. But also he says in verse 2 that just as there are many who from the beginning were eyewitnesses. We're going to see the reason there's extra content in Luke's Gospels compared to, say, the other Gospels is because Luke took the time to actually interview eyewitnesses. Who, 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 those who heard Jesus teach in person, those who, who saw him do the miracles, those who saw him crucified, and even more importantly, saw him resurrected. Luke would interview some of these eyewitnesses. But also notice that what he says in, in the beginning of verse 1, he says, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of things, he's referring to sources that he had access to. Don't just picture Luke in some library, but do picture him having access to things that most believers in that day wouldn't have had access to. And so we, we, we believe at the time that Luke wrote this gospel, they already had Mark's gospel, possibly also Matthew's gospel, and Luke would have had access to those sources. But there are also many other written sources that didn't make the cut into the canon of Scripture, but did have some good historical information, some accurate things about who Jesus uh, was and what he did. And so Luke would have tapped into those sources. In fact, if you look at the, the, verse, uh, the second part of verse 2, he says, And these were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. Uh, uh, and the ministers of the word have delivered them to us. In other words, these gospels or these messages that were given through people. So when we talk about Luke uh, 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 writing to us, he's utilizing all available resources. He's not just mimicking what one other gospel says or, or just one story that he heard from somebody. Luke does his due diligence to gather as much of this information as he possibly can. And I think it's also important that we recognize that when Luke is interviewing these people, when he's reading these resources, he's, he's actually using authorized accounts, things that were credible. And this was the, 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 the mindset of the first Christians. They really took truth seriously. They took what, what was happening in reality seriously. These weren't just ideas or concepts that they thought might be better than what was available. These were historical realities that they had experienced. We see this in the second part of Luke's two-volume work. First is Luke, the second is Acts. We see this in Acts chapter 1. When the, when the 12 disciples knew that they were down to 11, because Judas, of course, had hung himself, they're thinking, we've got to replace this. There should be 12 of us. We've got to replace this guy. And so this is the criteria by which they judged replacing that apostle. They said, so one of these men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become a witness to his resurrection. In other words, from this group of men, so there was more than one, there were many, one of these need to be, listen, need to be an apostle like us. 
But now what this tells us is they were very specific about who could be an apostle, who could be a sent out one, that these 12 had a specific kind of authority, but also that there were many people who had heard Jesus teach and saw him do miracles and saw that he was resurrected from the dead. In fact, Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians 15, 6. He says, then the resurrected Jesus appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Now, you may or may not know this, but if you remember from the book of Acts, Luke was a ministry partner with Paul. There's a good, even a good chance that Luke would have been someone who might have come to faith through Paul's ministry, specifically when that ministry was around Antioch. And, and the reality is, as, as Paul and Luke are, are traveling together with their team to do these ministry, bringing the gospels to different cities, he would have a chance to interview some of these people. He would have gone all over the known Roman world meeting Jesus followers who, who had more than just a personal faith. They had real life experience with the living Savior. They knew him. They saw him. Now, this is what I want us to think about, how, how we can make this practical to us today. See, Luke utilized all the available resources to him. And what about us? We have this great and glorious book, this library, really, the scriptures. What are we doing with this library? I, I want to challenge you in a couple of things. I want to I challenge you to commit to reading a chapter of the New Testament every day. If you're not already doing that, I want to commit, challenge you to do this. If you read a chapter uh, in the New Testament just five days a week, in less than a year, you'll have read through the whole New Testament. This would take you maybe 10 to 15 minutes a day. Not that big of a deal. Pretty easy to do, really. I guarantee you, most of us, and most of you who are watching this, probably spend way more time than that on social media. So, so and when you're doing that, though, I want to really challenge you with this. As you're utilizing this great resource we have in the scriptures, specifically in this context, the New Testament scriptures, as you have this resource, I want you to ask yourself two very simple questions. Ask yourself as you're reading the New Testament, is the Jesus presented here worthy to be trusted? Is he worthy to be trusted? Simple question. And then the second question would be, so what would it look like for me to trust this Jesus today? Just ask yourself those two questions. Ask God to help you understand and find the answer to those two questions as you take 10 or 15 minutes a day utilizing this great resource we have in the scriptures. Luke, uh, one of the greatest resources we have, of course, is Luke. And Luke's gospel kind of utilized the resources he had of his day to make sure we had a clear and full account of who Jesus is and what he's done. So, so Luke, he, he utilized all available resources, but also it's important for us to recognize that Luke wasn't just a researcher. He was a real, he was a follower of Jesus. Again, look at the first part of verse 3. Luke writes, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time, to write an orderly account for you. Now, this is important. He says, uh, he had followed all these things closely. Again, the, the phrase is there. I, he said, I carefully traced each of these things. It's like he hears the story. He writes it down. He hears it from somebody else. He says, well, so-and-so says this. How does that work? And he, he's confirming accounts. He's seeing how they come together. He's laying these things out carefully. This is exactly what you'd want in a researcher. This is the kind of, of, of qualities you'd expect from a good researcher, a good historian. Now, Luke doesn't claim to be an historian, but he definitely is a student of history, a student of more recent history, and he wanted to make sure that he used the best resources possible and utilized them in the best way. He was a, he was a quality thinker. We see this as you look at Luke's gospel and the gospel or, or in the book of Acts. 
But also what we see here is when he says to Theophilus, here's what I wanted to do. I, I thought it was good for me to write this orderly account. The idea there is not just like it's in good chronological order, because sometimes it's not. It's, it's also, it's about saying, I want to write this in a way that would make sense to you, that this would be information that would be helpful for you. It would encourage you to trust in Jesus. In other words, Luke wasn't just looking to persuade. I mean, he wasn't just looking to inform, but to persuade. He wanted to persuade people that just Jesus was worth following. Now, don't forget, Luke never had a first-hand encounter with uh, Jesus in the flesh, in the sense that he didn't see Jesus while he was alive before he was crucified, resurrected, and ascended to heaven. He didn't have that experience. So like us, Luke had to choose whether or not he was going to obey a man he'd never seen or heard or touched. He had to do that. But he was so motivated by this Jesus that he had never seen with his physical eyes. He was so motivated to make people, uh, to, to share that with people, to share this Jesus with people, that he took the time to do all this research and to put it in this gospel that we have, the gospel of Luke. Luke wanted others to follow the Jesus that he followed. That's what he wanted. This is important because this isn't, this isn't meant to be some sort of detached academic history of the person of Jesus. This is someone who was motivated, like all the Jesus followers that he, he interviewed, to follow Jesus and to share Jesus with others who didn't know him yet. Now, really, Luke was among people who risked their lives for what they could not deny. This is what we see in the book of Acts in chapter 4, where Luke writes about John and Peter and their experiences. He says, so they called them, this is the religious leaders, called them and charged John and Peter not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. I want you to think about this. Peter and John were those who walked with Jesus as he taught among Galilee, among uh, Israel. They, they were with him. They heard him teach. They saw him do miracles. They saw him crucified, and they decided, you know what? That's it. We're done. Peter's especially, and he went back to being a fisherman. And then even after Jesus came back from the dead and showed himself, Peter still didn't really know what to do. It wasn't until Jesus restores Peter to the ministry he had called him to that Peter begins to kind of move forward. Now, now what happens? Because they saw that he was alive, and because they waited as he, Jesus commanded for the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Once that happens, what do they do? They go out with boldness and they begin to preach. Now listen, their whole entire faith was based on the fact that Jesus was alive. And so when they were threatened, hey, stop talking about Jesus. They said, how can we not talk about him who we saw crucified that you, by your hands and whom we saw risen from the dead, who we communed with for 40 days after he res, risen from the dead, who we saw ascend to heaven. How could we not share him? Now, I share this because this is, this is also meant to encourage us in the trustworthiness of what Luke writes. Because again, this is not just people who believe. Lots of people die for what they believe is true. Lots of people from all kinds of walks of life, with all kinds of philosophies and religious beliefs die for what they believe. It happens all the time. But people do not die for what they know is a lie. And Luke was interviewing people who laid down their lives, who were willing to die because they knew they couldn't deny that this Jesus of the scriptures was alive. He was alive. 
Now, lastly, what we see is Luke wants to, he's writing to both clarify and confirm the faith. So, so here's what we know about Theophilus. Uh, we do believe this was a real person. Uh, probably the best guess is that Theophilus was a wealthy man. And we, we get that because he's called, Luke uh, refers to him as the most excellent Theophilus. So he's probably maybe a possibly governing official, uh, def- most definitely an honorable, wealthy man, high in society. And he probably funded this whole Luke Acts project. Um, it's, you know, it's expensive, especially in that day. It was really expensive to write a book. It wasn't like you could get on your laptop, type it out, and self-publish it. It didn't work that way. To, to have the time to write out, to do the research, to have people help you, and then to have a scribe actually write it in a legible way was incredibly expensive. And he didn't like produce dozens of books or, or hundreds of books. He produced a handful, and those were precious, expensive things. And so Theophilus probably funded this. He, it could have been that Theophilus was like Luke, uh, a God-fearing Gentile, that is someone who was a non-Jew, who was interested in the God of Israel, the God of the Jews, and, and believed in the God of the Jews, and eventually when the gospel was preached, he believed in the Savior of the Jews, he believed in Jesus. Could be that Theophilus was like Luke in that way. But what's really interesting about Theophilus is what his name means. His, his, main, his name means friend of God. That's what it means. Lover of God or friend of God. And so in Paul, I'm sorry, in Luke addressing this letter to Theophilus, he's like saying, listen, this is written to you, the friend of God, and it's written to any of us who want to be on friendly terms with God. You see, God sent Jesus so that we could, we who have made ourselves his enemies could be his friends. See, see God doesn't just look at us and he, and he sees our rebellion or our uh, anger at him. He doesn't look at us in that and say, you know what, forget you, I chuck you aside. He's, he, he takes that righteous anger and he uses it to motivate himself, uh, motivate him to, to send his own son to die for our sins. He makes a way for us as enemies who can become friends. So this book is really for us. If you want to be a friend of God, this book tells you how that works. What does it look like? This book shows you, this gospel shows you what Jesus has done to make that a reality. But also, listen, one of the things that, uh, that Luke is doing here, we see in verse 4, is he's really focusing on the who of the gospel. So here's what he writes to Theophilus. He says that you may have certainty of the things you have been taught. Now you might think, okay, so this is about stuff. It's not about, it sounds like it's about a what more than a who. But what we're going to see as we go through the gospel, this is definitely about a who. This is definitely about Jesus. The, the, the key verse in the scripture, in, in this gospel, is Luke chapter 19, verse 10, where it says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus said that. He said that to a man named Zacchaeus, a man who would have been despised by the Jews, distrusted by the Romans, a man who, because he was short, called up to a tree to see this Jesus passing by, and Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' house for dinner. And Zacchaeus came to a point where he knew this Jesus must be the Messiah. He must be God's chosen king. And he says, you know what? I'm going to give back the money I've taken wrongly. I'm going to change. He's excited. He's, he, he has a future. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house because, he says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. You see, the Jesus that, that, that Luke wants Theophilus to be certain of is a Jesus that isn't passively waiting for us to sort him out 
or to figure him out. He's, he's actively pursuing us. If you're watching this today and you've kind of just tuned in to Servants Church, maybe this is your first time, or maybe you've just kind of come to join us uh, via these live streams over the, this COVID period, uh, we, we want you to know as much as we're so glad that you've chosen to come watch this, the fact that you've chosen to come watch this is evidence of God seeking after you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to be certain of him, especially in these uncertain times. You see, what Theophilus, Theophilus needed, uh, what we need is more than just new information. We need right information for sure, but we need to look at a, uh, take a fresh look at this Jesus who saved us. So I want to encourage you again. I want to uh, sort of challenge you to respond again in some ways. I want to ask you a, a simple couple of simple questions. If this Jesus of the New Testament, and I hope you take the first challenge and you read the New Testament and you ask yourself those questions about Jesus, but if this Jesus of the New Testament is not worthy to be trusted, well, then who is? Seriously, that's a question I'm asking you to answer. It's not a rhetorical question. If Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, isn't worthy to be trusted, then who is? Those in government? Yourself? Your family? Are they worthy to be trusted to be the saviors of your world? No, we look at Jesus and we see someone who reached out to those who were outcast and marginalized and poor, and he reached out for those and protected those who no one else looked out for. And he even invited people who everyone wanted to be near to humble themselves and to come and trust him as the one who seeks and saves that which is lost. In fact, ask yourself, if, if Jesus isn't worthy to be trusted, what makes this other person, this other group, worthy to be trusted? What makes them more trustworthy than the crucified and risen Savior? What Luke wants for Theophilus and what they intended for all those who would read this is what God wants for us. God wants us that we can, that, to know that for certain that we are loved with an everlasting love, that the God who created the universe still controls it, and that his plan is going to be accomplished. And his plan centers on the person and work of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you loved us enough to send Jesus. We pray as we get into this gospel that you would help us to see him as we ought. And because of him, we would trust you with our entire lives. Lord, meet us where we are. I pray for anyone who doesn't yet know you, Lord that they would pray to you. They would say, God, I want to know you. I pray we would all take this challenge and seek you in your word and seek to follow after you. Please, we pray that you would do this for us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. See you soon.